episode number 31 of the Healthier Life podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm chatting with Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Dr. Orlina trained as a paediatric doctor in the UK, and she now works as a health coach teaching busy women to lead their most healthy life in a way they love, so that they can feel amazing, lead a long life, and teach their kids healthy living habits. Like me, Dr. Orlina also has four kids, and so we start off by talking about picky eaters. We then chat about the health benefits of the Mediterranean diet and what is the Mediterranean diet, before moving on to talking about the importance of building healthy habits. Dr. Orlina has a book coming out on the 27th of April, 2022, called Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. And so we chat about that and we also talk about the importance of getting support and accountability, ideally from a health coach, and how investing financially in your health in this way can seem like a big step, but it might very well turn out to be one of the best things you've ever done for yourself. I hope you find this episode helpful and insightful, and if you are encouraged to think more seriously about getting some health coaching yourself, then you can always book a free discovery call with me at bit.ly slash callcatherine. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash callcatherine. It's totally free, no strings attached, and we can just talk about your current health concerns, your health goals, and how health coaching might be able to help you with those. Again, head to bit.ly slash callcatherine and I'll put that link in the show notes below. Before we start, just a quick disclaimer as always. The information presented on this podcast is for educational and inspirational purposes only. Always consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle. Okay, with that said, let's dive into today's show. Hi, and welcome to the Healthier Life podcast where you can get great tips and strategies to empower you to live that healthier life you've always wanted. Do you want to feel vibrant and full of energy so that you can make the impact you desire in this world? I believe that when we are intentional about looking after our health, then we can find the energy, balance and joy that we need as Christian women to step into our God-given potential and make a real difference in this world. If you're here to learn about how a diet based more on whole foods, plant-based nutrition can bring a healthier life both to you and the planet, if you want to know how to manage your stress better, improve your sleep, exercise in a way that is fun and manageable, if you want to deepen your faith and build in more gratitude so that you can flourish once more in a life you love, then you are in the right place. I'm Catherine Shelton. Let's get started. Dr. Olina, welcome to the Healthier Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a great pleasure to have you on the show. We were just trying to remember how we met. We're not quite sure, but somewhere on, on Facebook or somewhere online, wasn't it, a few years ago? Kismet, kismet. Some, yeah, some, one of those things that just yes. happens when you randomly <laughs> bump into people. That's right, that's right. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and your family and where you're actually located right now. Yeah, thank you for asking. So um, from the UK, trained as a doctor in the NHS, I did pediatrics. And then, oh my goodness, it must be nearly 12 years ago, I decided that I wanted to move to Spain. And I always say I moved to Spain with my eyes wide shut because I just kind of thought, oh, everyone's in the European Union, or at least at that time we were, I'll just be able to go across and work. And long story short, that did not happen. Um, So I basically started doing stuff online and I started off 
helping children with picky eating because, hey, guess what? I had my own little (laughs) picky eaters at home and I got really frustrated when, well, so many times really, but, you know, I realized that they would just never eat any of those vegetables. They'd pick out the pasta and then, oh, shock horror, one day my son was sitting on the toilet crying in agony because he was constipated because he wasn't eating enough vegetables. And so, you know, I really thought there's there's something that we need to do here and I'm definitely not the only person who's struggling with this so I started doing picky eating and how we teach kids and essentially a couple of years ago I pivoted to work with mums and one of the reasons was um you I see a lot of people saying oh yeah I want to teach my kids healthy eating but I'm not eating healthily and that's kind of an impossible situation to be in and you know, the good news is the best way to teach our kids healthy eating, healthy habits is by demonstrating them. And yet people weren't demonstrating them. And that's the biggest, easiest bit to put into place. And so I started working with mums, well, women, but most of them are mums because most of them know the struggle of having to cook for a family who only want to eat pasta and white rice and, oh, what's that yucky green stuff that you've put on the side? Um, So yeah, now I teach women essentially to lead a healthy life. Um, They may or may not want to lose weight, but it's all about loving your healthy life so you can have energy and lead a long and healthy life. I love that. Yeah, that so resonates with me. So I have four children and uh, they're all, um, they they generally eat fine. And my son particularly was very picky when he was little and he went through a stage of only wanting to eat plain white pasta. And that was really difficult. So, yeah, I totally understand. And then, you know, even to this day, we still have the situation where, you know, one child won't eat cooked mushrooms, another child won't eat beans, you know, like all these different things that you have to take into yes. account. And it just makes it so difficult because you don't want to be making, you know, four or five different meals. You want to be making, you know, one meal that everyone can eat and yeah, it's it's really hard. It's so. getting the balance right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And we have exactly the same thing. I think I have four kids as well. And I think there's probably about three things that all of them will eat. And obviously those three things are all the treat foods. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know not foods that I'm making every single day. Yeah. So yeah, it is about getting that balance right. It and is. um teaching them healthy habits it is absolutely it's so true and interesting I don't know whether this is um, at all related to why you know we did people develop picky eating habits but we used to live in Russia so um, my my eldest three kids grew up in Russia where we didn't have kind of junk food around like most things were made from scratch you know you couldn't buy the kind of things that you can here in the supermarket and it wasn't until we got back to England I think that they started becoming picky eaters so I wonder if it's something to do with like you said you know it's all the kind of sweet treats all the kind of junk food that's on offer do you think there's something in that that's kind of changing yeah I do I think I think that's it's really interesting, actually. And, you know, one of the things I think is really important is to stand back and have a look at why we eat. And a lot of people need to rethink this because (laughs) we do connect emotions with eating. And, you know, it's a, a huge topic. One of the things I do is, you know, help people fix their relationship with food when they turn to food for emotions. But if we think about why we eat, we eat essentially to fuel our body. That is the purpose of eating. And I think the reality is now that we live in a society where there are so, so, so many options. And as parents, we also know that there are options. So if I think back to the day 
when I was growing up. And it's not that the options weren't there, but I think my parents kind of knew there's one meal and that's it. There isn't anything else. So you could argue if you want, and I don't ever remember doing this as a child, but my parents wouldn't be like, oh yeah, you can go and get something else because there wasn't anything else. There's one meal and that's it. But now we live in a society where we have so many options. Food is not scarce. Why would children eat the healthy foods when they can live off chicken nuggets and pizza and all of those things? Um, Yeah, they get to this stage where they're like, you know, my kids will literally rather, I say, starve in, you know, go hungry um, than eat food that is, it's not even dislike. It's like, oh, this isn't my preferred food. I'm not going to eat it. Well, you almost have to create this artificial, well, that's all there is. Do you know what I mean? Take it or leave it. So it's partly work that we have to do, but it is also partly, for example, I hardly ever have biscuits in our cupboard because my kids, like they can smell them. I don't know. The minute I walk (laughs) in with them, they're like, oh, when are we eating these? And then there's this constant nag of, oh, I'm going to just eat the biscuits. So it's getting all of those things sort of lined up. But I think essentially, yes, we live in a different society and our children do not really understand what it is like to be hungry in, you know, they may go hungry for an hour or two, but they don't know what it's like to to live in a society where there isn't enough food. And I think that is part of the reason why they pick cake over cabbage. Well, you know, wouldn't we all really? Like it, it, it is human nature. I say we're glucose-seeking missiles. And it is part of our nature to look for glucose, not just children's nature, but adults' nature. But as adults, we can retrain ourselves. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And also, I think, you know, just the environment around us, the culture, the food culture around us just doesn't help. All the advertising, you know, the, the way that products are placed on supermarket shelves, just enticing Oh my goodness, you. don't get me started. <laughs> to buy all the wrong things. And, you know, it's interesting you were saying, so you tend to work uh, more with mums to begin with to get them into the healthy eating habits. And then the idea is that the children kind of follow suit. Is that right? That's where your focus is yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I don't, so I've got all of that, you know, work under my belt. And we were talking about books. I wrote a book called Feeding Toddlers. Toddlers seem to be like really tricky. So what happens is quite often when you introduce foods, babies often go, oh yes, I love this food stuff. I'm going to eat everything. And then they hit toddlerhood and that's where the problems happen. So I've got all of that under my belt. So when I work with people now, I'm basically focused on the woman and helping her create what I call her amazing life where she feels lit up doing things that she really loves and naturally loses weight. Um, The reality is often those women are also struggling with their kids so that, you know, they have me as a resource to help them, but it's not actually something that we focus on in my program. Mm -hmm. But do you find with your clients that then as, you know, as those uh, people that you work with, the women that you work with, as they start to incorporate these healthy, healthy habits into their lifestyle, that it naturally yeah. just trickles down to the family too? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, an example, I've got a lady who's in Australia and one of the things we've been working on is her seven minute workout. Um, such a simple thing to do. And she now does it every single morning and her five-year-old son joins in <laughs> and her husband actually. So now everybody's doing the seven minute workout, which is, fabulous because number one it's getting them in the habit but two when you do things in a group you're more likely to do it than not do it I always know that my thing is swimming I love swimming I love swimming in the sea in the summer it's winter now so I sadly I have to go to the swimming pool which I don't enjoy quite so much 
And I know that if I say, oh, yeah, I'll go by myself on Tuesday, things may happen, work may get in the way. But if I say to my friend, hey, I'll meet you, then I will be there. And so it's the same with any group activity, you know, that if they do it as a group, they're more likely to do it than if they're doing it by themselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but you're actually located in Spain, aren't you? Is that right? Yes, I am. Yeah, no, I didn't get that in my big introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so okay, so north of Barcelona on the coast. So yeah, I swim in the Mediterranean and um, I would say sunny Spain, but we've had a few weeks of rain and now it's really windy. <laughs> So uh, we hear a lot about the Mediterranean diet being one of the healthiest diets. Do you find that living in Spain, it's a little bit easier to find those more healthy foods than we would do if we were in another country like England or America? Um, that's a really interesting question, actually. Um, and so, yes, I love the Mediterranean style diet and the Mediterranean style diet is the best diet. Um, really, I think we can talk about plant based and Mediterranean being slightly different because of the extra virgin olive oil. And one thing that's really interesting to look at is, you know, there are lots of studies that look at how people eat in relationship to their surroundings. So, for example, people who live in big cities where there isn't the ability to be able to get healthy fruit and vegetables are less likely to eat fruit and vegetables. But if you put in little food stands, then people will go and buy the fruit and vegetables. And I think that comparison is very similar to Spain. So for example, we have a fruit and vegetable market in our little town every single day. On Sunday, there's a big one. And you know, it's part of society to go out on Sunday, put on your nice clothes, go and have a coffee in the square, say hello, it's a really sociable time and go and buy your fruit and vegetables. Um, as opposed to going to the supermarket and yeah, you're waiting at the checkout and there's all those sweets and candies like, you know, glinting at you as you're standing there doing nothing. So it is a very, it's very different in terms of normality and what is available. You know, even in our supermarkets, we have so like there is processed food, of course there is, but not to the extent that there is in the UK. So, you know, I just remember in the UK, those aisles and aisles and aisles of different types of pasta shapes or as we have like three pasta shapes and that's it um yeah but but you know you also have other like I remember tins of legumes and beans and you know we don't have that we have like three types of beans that you can buy so I would say you know people do generally lead a more healthy life here they definitely aren't perfect people do eat processed foods but there is still that you know societal normal of this is what we eat and you know you sometimes have to elbow the little old ladies out of the way to get you know the peaches at market such fun. <laughs> I'm only joking but you know I chat to them and they they come up to me and say oh don't buy your cabbages from there there's some better cabbages down the road you must go there yeah um so it's fun and and normal here um but yeah yeah. Things are changing. People don't do the traditional Mediterranean style diet. And on a side note, the Mediterranean style diet, I think people have this idea that Mediterranean style diet means either eating pasta, you know, like anything that's a Mediterranean recipe is Mediterranean style diet. And I, I get a bit frustrated with this on the internet because you see people saying Mediterranean style chicken sandwich or something. And that isn't Mediterranean mm. style diet. It's not about rice and pasta and pizza. It's about fruit and vegetables and lentils and legumes and nuts and seeds 
yeah. and the yeah. ingredients that, you know, the raw ingredients as opposed to the processed foods that yeah. we yeah. associate with those Mediterranean countries now. Yeah, that's so great. Um, so for someone who's kind of thinking about, okay, you know, I need to change things. I'm, I'm maybe eating too much processed foods. I'm sort of not setting a good example for my children. I'm struggling to be healthy. Uh, you talk a lot about sort of healthy habits and how it's best to to kind of not do everything all at once, to kind of start off slow. Uh, and you've actually written a book recently. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Yes, I have. My book is Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. And it's essentially the system that I use with my clients. And what it does is um, walk you through where you are now. So there's worksheets in it, like, you know, what are you doing now? What happens if life continues? And, you know, thinking about, well, what happens if you make changes? I always say, you know, you're standing at this crossroads and you're in this amazing position. When I was working in the NHS and I did a little bit of adult medicine, I did mostly pediatrics. But I remember looking at those wards and looking around and going, oh, my goodness, so many people are here because of lifestyle illnesses. And what I want to do is take you back 20 years and show you how easy it is to lead a healthy life. And then you wouldn't need to be in hospital Now, sadly, I don't have a time machine. And sadly, the NHS isn't set up to help people make those changes. But for every single person, we have that choice right now. You can carry on doing what you're doing. I always say it's easy to not make changes, but it's actually easy to make changes too. You just have to decide that you're going to do them. Um, So then what does life look like if you do make changes? And the book basically helps you go through those and it's got habit trackers and things like that. Now, what I would say is, you know, the the vast majority of people, um, it is great to build in habits. And I love habits and systems and routines because that's where the without thinking about it comes from. It's just something that we do naturally. But if you are thinking about making changes, there is so much evidence that if you make changes with support, you are going to be much more successful. So you know, whatever that support looks like, ideally a health coach, you or me or somebody else, but somebody who can really help you stay accountable. And I think another big piece of it is, is someone who can help you on the level of not taking too much on and not taking too little. So just that objective view of, yeah, yeah, you need to bring it back a little bit or bring it forward a little bit. And I see the tide turning and people are more interested in health coaches you know I think there is this definite idea of but I can eat why do I need somebody to teach me how to eat Mm. but it's one of the most important decisions you're going to make in your life your health is priceless you know Mm. like seriously if you can stand here going whatever age I am I've got I'm going to live to I don't know 80 or 90 so I've got 30 or 40 years in front of me and those can be 30 or 40 years of feeling amazing and leading my life to the full or 30 or 40 years of gradually getting more and more unwell and uncomfortable and not being able to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. On one level, it's a really easy decision to make, but you do have to make that decision. I think, I think that's the biggest decision to make. 
Yeah, I really resonate with that. Um, and I love, so I have read the book, which is great. And I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, um, I loved, one of the things I loved was you talked about sort of having these uh, new acorn habits that eventually grow into oak tree habits. And I just love that so much, sort of not trying to take on too much at once, but knowing that if you start small and they're consistent and keep it up, then that little acorn that you're planting will will grow into an oak tree. So that was a really lovely metaphor. And then just also talking, you know, you were mentioning about um, how important it is to have support and accountability and you know we're, we're both health coaches working with uh, clients and you know we see the the transformation that happens when people are able to invest in their health in that way and there was an amazing quote that you had in the book which I wrote down because I was just so blown away by it you said um, the American Society of Training and Development did a study that showed that you were 65% more likely to achieve a goal if you committed to someone and 95% more likely to achieve it if you had a specific accountability appointment with a person that you'd committed to. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? That that essentially is like, without coaching, you're not going to do it. But yeah. with coaching, you're 95% more likely to do that. And I think it is it's partly about commitment. And it's your own commitment as well. It doesn't have to be like, so yeah, it's it's amazing that 95%. And that's essentially the difference between having a coach and not having a coach, but it's not just the coach. I think it's partly you taking that step forward. So, you know, just before I was talking to you, I was talking to this amazing lady. Um, We were talking about her joining up. She's got a big decision to make an exciting decision to make. And obviously there's a financial investment involved. And we were talking about that financial investment. Now, I used to offer my services for free. Well, not really free. But you know, when I first started, and I wasn't building a business, and I would just come from NHS doctor land, I did a lot of stuff for free. The same kind of stuff, but nobody showed up or people did show up, but they often showed up for a little bit and then stopped because they hadn't made that commitment. And that making that financial commitment is saying to yourself, yep, yeah, I'm worth it. And I'm invested and I am prioritizing this. And I'm going to start, I'm going to, you know, get my money's worth, I'm going to make this work. And I, I think people often don't see that piece of the puzzle, which is, I have to demonstrate that I am committed. And how do I demonstrate that I invest in myself, and I do what I need to do to make those changes. So I think accountability is amazing and I think the other piece of it is what happens and you know we're talking about the oak tree and the seed the acorn habits when people say I'm going to start on this journey whether they read a book or sign up with a coach they get super excited we talk about possibilities and you know what life is going to be like it's amazing our brains like new and exciting things so we're in this place of excitement And if you want to lose weight, you see weight falling off, you see your energy levels quickly come up and then you adjust and you get used to all of this. And then you sort of go, life might happen, you know, whatever happens, life always happens. And then another part of your brain, that despondent part of your brain pops in and goes, oh, negativity, negativity. And that always, always, always happens. And that's part of the battle. And having someone accountable is just someone saying, hey, remember, we're on this journey. You've committed to this. And, you know, we're not going to talk about the details of how, but you need to stay on this journey. You need to stay on this journey. And that's a big part of what um, coaching is about. So many of my clients say, you know, without your group program, I know I would have given up. 
because they get to that point of despondency. And unless they've got somebody holding their hand and going, remember, remember, remember what you signed up for, they've forgotten it and given up. Yeah, absolutely. There's that um, statistic, isn't there, about New Year's resolutions that I think only 30% of people who set New Year's resolutions actually make it past the first month. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and only 8%, I think, um, you know, managed to get, go the whole year. So having that support and accountability. And like you said, the financial investment. I know myself when I've invested in things, you know, that's been maybe a little bit of a stretch for me my goodness, I have shown up to every single call and done the work and then seen the results, you know, which has been amazing. So it's definitely been worth it in the end. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I, I totally think coaching is amazing. Um, I have coaches for everything in my life now. Um, My husband's like, how many coaches do you have? But we have this idea of, oh, I should be able to do this by myself. Well, you know, the theory, we know the theory, it's not, it's not a knowledge gap that people have. It's a doing it gap. And anybody who is serious about doing something well gets a coach. You know, all athletes have a coach. All, you know, we even our kids, we send our kids to school. They have teachers. Those are essentially coaches. They're teaching them how, you know, we could give our kids maths books, you know, that explains it all and say, here, read this, teach yourself maths. We don't do that. We send them to a teacher. And so it's the same the same thing. But for some reason with our health, we have this idea of, oh, I should be able to do it by myself. But the evidence is, well, so many people aren't. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think there needs to be a bit of a mindset shift there. Totally, totally. So um, when you in your book, uh, you talk about four pillars of healthy living. So it's not just all about what you're eating, is it? That's not just I mean, that's very, very important and key. But you also have so healthy eating is one of your pillars, but you also have healthy exercise, uh, delicious, healthy sleep and emotional wellness as your other pillars as well. So can you talk a little bit about how you know health is holistic and we need to be focusing on all these other areas as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yes, healthy eating. Um you know, we've talked about the Mediterranean style diet. I always talk about exercise that lights you up because people mistakenly think that if they want to lose weight, they need to do more exercise. And it's about 80% nutrition and about 20% exercise. Now, exercise is the key to having lots of energy and people and to being fit, obviously, and keeping your, your body fit, all of your muscles fit and, you know, your bones strong. People always go, oh, I'm too tired to exercise. And I think, hang on a minute, you've got it the wrong way around. When you're tired, you need to go and exercise and it gives you energy. Um, It helps you, you know, we've got energy. It's all stored in our body. What you need to do is start using that energy. And once you start breaking down that energy, then it becomes accessible. Um, And I think the secret is, you know, thinking about things that you really, really, really enjoy. And there is sometimes a learning curve. I've taught myself to enjoy running. I'm not a natural runner and it's not my main sport, but I do enjoy it when I do it. Um, Sleep. Sleep is super, super, super important. Um, We could fill a whole podcast with sleep, but essentially it's really important for your health. It's really important for productivity. It's really important for weight loss as well. And then pillar four, I think, I love talking about pillar four because it is just so fascinating to me. And I used to think emotions fell from the sky. And if I was feeling upset or sad one day, that was just the way it was. But we also have habits 
and systems and routines in our emotional wellness and how we think and how we show up. Um, and that includes stress as well. So stress is another big part of that emotional piece. And stress, again, super important, or you know, managing your stress levels, super important for if you want to lose weight and super important for your health. And I think that the, the sort of analogy of looking at these is if you don't pay attention to these, you spiral down what I call the negative plug hole. So, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're feeling great. One of your four children is having issues. They bounce on your head. They start screaming at you. You might snap at them. And then you can see that suddenly the whole house is yelling and screaming at each other. Well, it's the same with food and exercise. You may not exercise. So you eat some chocolate and then you feel guilty about it. And then, you know, that general spiral downwards. Or you can turn the tap the other way and start to spiral upwards. So you start eating healthily and then you start moving more. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. Of course, it doesn't happen like that. You know, starting moving is like, oh, I'm going to walk around the block for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes and gradually build up. Until you've got habits and systems and routines in all four of those pillars and you're doing it all by yourself. And yes, it absolutely. I think the emotional piece is the fundamental piece. Without that emotional piece, it all falls to pieces. So, you know, with the ladies that I work with, a big piece of the puzzle is emotional eating. And when we sit back and we're really honest about be people who are overweight, you know, we talked at the beginning about, well, um, why do we eat? We eat to fuel our bodies. And on a really hard line, anything that we do beyond that is emotional eating. We're eating not to fuel our bodies, we're eating for another reason, which is normally emotional. Now, I know there are a few caveats to that, but if we're looking in broad terms, and I'm not trying to blame people, I'm just, if we can understand a situation, then we can sort it out. And so emotional eating is one of the biggest keys. And if you can't sort out your emotional eating, I can tell you how to eat, and you may do it for a month or two, and then the emotional eating comes back, and it all falls out of the window. So it needs to be addressed. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Mm, yeah, absolutely. There's so many things going on, not just the actual food that we're eating, but why we're eating and yeah, the emotions behind it. It's so key. And I love that you cover all those different areas in the book. So um, tell us when the book is coming out and where people can buy it. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, so it's April the 27th and it will be on Amazon. It is available as an ebook. I personally think buy it as a paperback because it's a habit tracker. So I tell you what you can do, though, you can get the what well, this is what I always do with books. It is available as an ebook. So you can get the little download, the little free download, and then you can read a little bit and go, oh, yeah, I love this. I'm going to get the paperback. Great. Lovely. And uh, where else can listeners find you online? So I know that you also have your own podcast, don't you? So I do. Thank, about you. That. Thank you for asking. My podcast is Fit and Fabulous at 40 and Beyond. And my website is drorlina.com. And I have an amazing Facebook group, actually, where um, I love my Facebook group. I used to not like Facebook groups, but I have such amazing people in my Facebook group now. And we have such great chats there that I, you know, it's a really lovely community now. Great. Thank you. I'll put those uh, in the those links in the show notes below later. So thank you so much, Orlina, for talking to us today. It's been a real pleasure and you've given lots of interesting information and insights that I'm sure the listeners will be able to take away with them and start putting into practice. Fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hey, quickly before you go, if this podcast has helped and inspired you in some way, then please jump over to iTunes and leave me an honest review. That way more people can find this show and be inspired too. I personally read every single review and your feedback is so encouraging to me. The second way you can help get the word out is to take a quick screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories. Tag me at Catherine Shelton Health and I'll share it right back. Thank you so much. God bless. Until next time.